my name is Julie Turney, and this is the HR Sound Off Podcast Show, the show created for HR and business professionals to discuss pertinent topics and trends as it relates to our professions. We're going to have amazing conversations with HR professionals from all over the world, get to learn their origin stories. How did they get into this profession? What do they love about being here? And how they want to set the record straight on that one misconception that really drives them crazy about our profession. Are you ready? I'm ready. Then let's sound off. Hi, everyone, and welcome to today's edition of the HR Sound Off Podcast Show. My name is Julie Turney, and I am your host. How are you doing today? I hope that wherever you are in the world, you are doing well. Remember, HR Sound Off is created by an HR professional for HR professionals. And excuse the goofiness in how I sound, my tooth is killing me, but I'm going to get through this. So today, I my guest is Jennifer Armstrong Owen. Did I get that right? You did. Yes. And Jennifer is from Seek Out and she's going to tell us a little bit about herself and she's going to tell us about Seek Out and we're going to talk all things HR and people. So let's get into the conversation. Welcome Jennifer. How are you doing today? I am doing great. Much better than you because I don't have a toothache, but Julia is awesome to meet you and I'm super excited to have this conversation with you today. Thank you so much, Jennifer. I really appreciate it. So tell us a little bit about Jennifer. Who is Jennifer Armstrong Owen and how did you get into HR? Um, a great question. And it's funny, I so many folks, uh, you know, have said they got into HR by accident. Um, I did not. It was super conscious uh, uh, on my part. Nice. I was an engineering student in undergrad, um, mm-hmm. loved math, but really found myself super um, bored. Mm-hmm. And not, well, maybe bored isn't the right word, but like just not engaged. Yeah. Um, doing doing the motions. And so I ended up um, switching out of engineering. And after um, undergrad, I became a Peace Corps volunteer because I wanted to um, go live in a country far different than my own. Um, and as we just were chatting a little bit, I, I was in Dominica in yes. um, the West Indies nice. and worked with the youth there. And um, I was there, I really discovered the joy of watching other folks um, grow and develop and learn new things. And it became this incredible, like realizing like kind of how Dan Pink's about motivation, that that was my motive. That's my motivation. That's what makes me tick when, you know, I help someone, um, I help someone, you know, in the field with helping them with their, you know, maybe it's business language around, you know, writing a cover letter or whatever yeah. it was yeah. at the time. And, um, and so I came back, I, I, I got an MBA um, and did a compensation internship at a very large software tech company here in Seattle. And, um, and that was kind of how I got into um, uh, HR. And I, I did compensation for about seven years, I was a comp manager for a nonprofit HMO here in Seattle. And my Peace Corps, ironically, my Peace Corps ex-roommate said to me one day, why are you, why are you spending so much time on spreadsheets and, and, you know, money, Um, you should be working with people. And so in 99, I 
made a jump to the tech industry and have been doing that um, ever since. So um, I really don't know anything other than <laughs> the HR profession. Nice. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, but as you said, you know, you were intentional about getting into HR and what the motivation was for doing that and being so giving of yourself to take time to be a part of the Peace Corps. Mm -hmm. um, lending into your story. I think that's an amazing HR story. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. I appreciate it. Yeah. But you got into compensation. Do you think that was part of like your love of numbers? Yes. Yes. I, it's actually kind of interesting because, you know, we, we tend to we tend to um, move from our places of comfort yeah. and, and doing different things, brand new, different things is scary. And so for me, when we had a, we had the head of compensation um, uh, at, at that time for Microsoft come and do a brown bag during grad school. And, mm -hmm. and what she was saying was super like, oh, flared up, you know, like an ignited my, yeah. oh, I didn't even realize that was a thing. You know, this mm -hmm. was back in the early nineties. And so that's why I really was very comfortable in that space. Like yeah. I was in EHR, but I was doing, I was doing, re, you know, linear regression models back then when you used to do that for pay line, generating wow. pay lines. And, mm -hmm. and, and so I was like, oh, okay, this is good. Cause this is my core competency. Yeah. And, but what ends up happening is just like all of us, there are parts of us that we don't, even though we're good at, I used to say this to, to, to people all the time, just because you're good at something doesn't mean that's what's going to make you come alive. That's it's not what's going to make you thrive. Yeah. And, you know, it was like when my dad, I called my dad in undergrad and I said, I don't, I'm not going to be an engineer. And, you know, he was like, well, what are you going to do then? <laughs> I'm, like, like, I'm pretty sure I'll figure it out. Uh -huh. But, you know, and I tell my own children this, you know, figuring out what you don't want to do sometimes is just as important as figuring out what you, what you do, do. want to do, right? It's and true. listening to that internal, that internal dialogue and voice that is, tells you mm -hmm. when something is connecting with you, like yeah. your, your internal, you know, your intrinsic, you know, matches your extrinsic. And mm -hmm. that's that, that's where we should all you know, to, be. to get to, right? Because yeah. then it's effortless. It's just that's like, it. you know, flow yeah. and thriving and all of those buzzwords that, you know, yes. are the, the folks that are smarter than than me have come up with. Mm -hmm. It kind yeah. of reminds me of the Ikigai model. Oh, I don't yeah. know that. So the Ikigai model basically speaks of, it's very similar to Maslow's hierarchy of needs, mm -hmm. but it's like, if you can do what you love and make money from it, oh. that helps others, then yes. that, that's, you know, within the center of all of that is your Ikigai. Uh, uh, that's oh, exactly that. um, what sounds like, like what you're talking about to me, like immediately it made me think Ikigai. Um, and I, I need to, I might need to adapt that, adopt that because now I use Maslow's all the time, but yeah. it leaves me feeling a little flat. Yeah. Like it's, it's like a triangle and you have to remember, like it's all important and it all yeah. works there. It's not like a, and so not, no dispersion on Maslow, but, right. um, but I think I like the idea of the circle, like, cause life is yeah. a circle. Exactly. Right? Exactly. <laughs> so right in the center of that, yeah. if you, all those things come together. Yeah, you've you've got it. You've got it made. And I, I also it. remember watching a video sometime back with someone talking about, you know, the difference between building your career and your vocation. 
mm-hmm. you know your vocation actually being what you actually love mm-hmm. and if you actually could get to that space and again it made me think okay that's mm-hmm. ikigai like that's that's how you get to doing what you love that has purpose helps others and helps you and allows you to make money at the same time and I think the, I love that. And I think the other thing about vocation, because I'm at the other end of yeah. my career journey, um, I think vocation is something that outlives, that stays with yes. you beyond your career, right? I yes. I was volunteering last night for a nonprofit here that I, I support. And I, I literally was just thinking, you know, this is, you know, people always ask me, well, what are you going to do next? It's like, I'm going to, I'm going to finish the same way I started. Yeah. <laughs> and that's my vocation. Right. Yes. And, and to your point, like when you can get paid for it, it is amazing. Absolutely. It's also something that's about your life force and the way you're wired so that that's got to continue beyond when you, you know, when you're Absolutely. no longer needing to do that. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I'm wishing you all the best, no matter where you go, but right <laughs> now, you are currently the VP of people at Seek Out. So tell us a little bit about your role at Seek Out. Tell us what Seek Out is. Okay. I Well, you know, this is so fascinating because I have been with Seek Out now since May of 2021. Mm-hmm. Um, when, and, and I was looking, our, my previous software company had gotten bought by a large public company. And so this, this you know, the executives, um, we were all, you know, what happens when you get bought, um, mm-hmm. you move on. And so yes. I took four months off. I did a internship, I mean, a, a certificate program at Cornell University on mm-hmm. diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. Right. And even though that space is something I'm passionate about, and I've been, it's been part of my role for a very long time, mm-hmm. I had the time to focus on 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 some real getting rigor around it and foundational and it's funny I didn't know at the time why I was doing that and then someone said can I introduce you to Anup Gupta the CEO of Seekout and Mm -hmm. candidly I didn't know what Seekout was um and five conversations later uh the fastest decision I've probably ever made I joined this company Uh, I think I was employee number 54 we are Seekout is an HR tech company. We okay. sell you know, HR technology oh. and our flagship product is um, our talent acquisition sourcing mm-hmm. tool, okay. which allows recruiters <clears throat> to do sourcing for diverse candidates mm-hmm. or fine candidates, mm-hmm. candidates that don't show up in, you know, the, the, the traditional um, uh, data sources. Mm-hmm. And we equip um, companies to really grow their, um, you know, their diversity in mm-hmm. their in their companies, which is something that's so critical. Like, right, yes. you know, it, it, it's always been critical. But the good news is, is that we're now like there's mm-hmm. lots of wood behind that arrow, and 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 you know, uh, companies are feeling that need more than ever in response to a lot of the. Um, you know, racial injustices and, and um, marginalization that's occurred. And so for me personally, that mission aligned really, really well with, with why, how I'm wired and what's important to me. Mm -hmm. Um, We are also a company that is um, creating a new product called Grow, which is going to sit inside companies and help them manage their diverse talent Mm. by providing internal mobility opportunities, hooking all your data sources together so that HR leaders, managers, and employees can have 
like just incredibly um, expansive views of themselves because we use outside data. We right. pull in all the outside data, mm-hmm. even on your current employees, so they don't have to do anything. Their managers will see, you know, the the profile that they would have seen, you know, as a as a as a potential candidate. Okay. Um, and it's all around how do we help comp- great companies and great people grow together. Mm-hmm. And so, like going back, it was funny. I was I was thinking about the questions here, and I was thinking about how you know my my first experience of the joy of watching someone grow and yeah. change, and how now the bookends right are are I'm I'm back to that. And so as the head of people. I spearhead all things related to our own people mm-hmm. um, hiring. We've hired, we are now um, about 200 and almost 40 employees. Wow. So we've hired, we've hired quite a bit. 190 <laughs> people during the great resignation and, wow. the, and the, the, the great reshuffle. Um, and building as a young, you know, as a young company, we're only five years old, right. but building all those important employee programs and, 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 um, you know, uh, policies and principles and philosophies that mm-hmm. are going to be important for us to have as we move forward. So it's been a great um, partnership. Yeah. Uh, I feel like I have come to, you know, come home again in a way to, yeah. So uh, being able to access a lot of early, um, early parts of what we're, what I, what got me going. Um, yeah. Cause I think it's hard, you know, HR is a, the people function is a hard function. We've lived through, you know, I mean, my heart goes out to everyone who, you know, works in whatever capacity in mm-hmm. HR. It's been a credibly hard um, three years. Yeah. Um, and even before that, it was it wasn't easy, but exponentially exponentially harder. Yes. And so, um, finding those joys mm-hmm. along the way, and the yeah. things that you can feel super proud of and mm-hmm. motivated by, are so critical to keeping your own engine of passion going. going. Yes, mm-hmm. it's very easy to lose your HR mojo. <laughs> It really is. If you're, you know, stuck in a really difficult place and the things that we go through. And that's why I try really hard to raise awareness about what's happening in the background of HR, because I think the more that people appreciate the things that we go through, the more their perception will change about HR. Um, I totally agree with you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But I've got to ask you, if you don't mind. Yeah. Um, So. I've been getting a lot of questions from HR people who are in the startup space for the first time. And it seems to be, it's a struggle. Like I've been in, I've worked in a startup. It's really hard when your CEO still has a startup mentality when you're no longer a startup. (laughs) You know exactly what I'm talking about because you're laughing. (laughs) I, I do. What advice would you give to HR professionals who are working in startups and they're struggling with helping the organization move out of that startup mentality when they're no longer a startup. Yeah. And, you know, that's really that's it's funny. I'm laughing because I stayed at my first startup for almost 13 years mm-hmm. and we were that the same thing. We were a startup like you know, 10 years after we had, you know, we had first, um, you know, started the company Mm -hmm. and, um, 
And I think for me, and I, th I also think a lot of this comes down to experience and wisdom that yeah. you gain over time. And so, you know, one of the one, and I have to challenge myself to this, by the way, I'm originally from New Jersey. I am a very impatient human. It is mm. part of my own, um, my own <laughs> thing that I get to work on until the day I die. Um, <laughs> And so to me, for me, working in an environment where, you know, hey, we, you know, we have, we're no longer a startup, we have 240 people depending on us for, you know, strong leadership and direction and vision and, and all those things. Um, one, I think being patient and, and, and focusing where you can make a difference because there are things we as, as people leaders and people practitioners can do mm -hmm. that don't, that don't require wholesale changes to the business model. Right. Mm -hmm. And so what I, you know, and, and, and easy for me to say that now, cause I've, but I've had to live through that and yeah. I've watched other people before me do that same thing. And mm -hmm. so learning how to figure out what are the things that I can do today that will actually help to serve the greater good, but don't require, you know, don't require, you know, a wholesale change. Yeah. Number one. And that will give you a sense of, there's an expression that I have used now for probably 20 years, but progress, not perfection, like mm -hmm. not progress, not perfection. Yeah. If yeah. you set yourself up, you're you ha you're always going to be disappointed, yeah. and um, disappointment's really hard to manage. By it the is. way, it's like it the is. one thing we don't teach. I feel like they should teach this in in school, like mm -hmm. how to manage disappointment because yeah. it's a real thing. Um, it is. So getting that progress and then being patient, mm -hmm. getting some progress and being patient mm -hmm. because at the right time, you know, that old expression at the right time, the teacher appears or the moment mm. of learning, yeah. it, it does. So I, and I've definitely spent time where I've been like frustrated and not necessarily here, but in other positions, cause this is the fifth company I've, you know, I've led people at and, um, I always found if I just was a little more patient, mm -hmm. I was almost, you know, we would have been right there. Right. Yeah. Um, so I think that that's an important, I think that's an important thing, but again, focus on what you can do Yeah. because even if you can't enact a company-wide change, you can still impact people yeah. one at a time and, and teach more, you know, systematic thinking and, you know, um, you know, create clarity where you can. I just heard a great set three, you know, three things a, a CEO was talking to a startup community yesterday. And he said, the three most important things we do in startups is um, create clarity, generate energy and deliver results. Mm -hmm. And I like those three because, mm -hmm. you know, th those are three things that each one of us can, can impact in our yes. own way, right? Yeah. Even generating energy mm -hmm. so important for a startup because it's hard this yeah. is like a it's a marathon and a sprint mm -hmm. yeah. yeah everything's that, that would be my advice us. yeah I love it thank you so much for sharing mm -hmm. that I really do think that it's important for HR professionals especially going into startups um not to have such high expectations yes. of an enterprise business yes you know? 
remember it's a startup. There are a lot of things you're going to have to teach your CEO and coach your CEO on. Mm -hmm. And it's important to build trust very early. Yes. um, When you're working in a startup space. And that's a really good point too, because I think it's about hooking your vision to the same to the same long term trajectory. Yeah. Leadership wants to know you're in it for the long haul, yeah. right? Like there is, like I said, like it takes time to build a startup, and yeah. and I think that once you you know once you have commitment around the table around the long term, mm-hmm. then there's more freedom in the short term too. Exactly. So to your point, that whole trust thing was a great yeah. answer. For you to bring in Julie because because that's you when you have the trust then you have the you have the lot you have more exactly. lotted yes definitely yeah. definitely yeah. I, I believe that most people underestimate the power of process they stick it in the back seat and forget about it until it's too late but they shouldn't processes run the world literally all of it stopped supermarkets on-time trains, and safely landing planes are all made possible by systems of intricate interlinked processes. They are the secret sauce of every great company, and HR teams are responsible for some of the most important processes of all. Onboarding employees, building teams, crafting culture. These vital systems are the lifeblood of every organization. That's why this episode of the HR Sound Off podcast show is brought to you by Process Street, the process platform of choice for HR teams around the world. Process Street is a no-code platform that lets you transform your most important HR processes into powerful workflows. Design beautiful employee onboarding experiences with extreme engagement that increase inclusion and reduce turnover. Sync tasks into Slack or Microsoft Teams, automate emails, handoffs, and so much more. Thousands of teams, large and small, trust Process Street to manage their most important people processes, like Salesforce, that use Process Street to onboard all the 3,000 Slack employees after the $27 billion acquisition. You can learn more and sign up for a free account at www.process.st. You're a very busy person, Jennifer. I know you're a family person, you're a business person, you're volunteering, you're living life. So what do you do to take care of yourself? You know, it's interesting when I, you know, think about that question, because I, I don't like, I never think about, like, I never, I don't, I'm old enough that like self-care has like been a thing over the last 10 years and mm-hmm. versus when I first got into this, you know, profession. And, um, but I think we all have super complicated, busy lives. Life is much more, um, much more dynamic than it was, but I will say it, I, I started out, um, and we, my husband and I have three children. He has been a stay at home dad for, um, a very long time, over two decades. Wow. And, um, but so, but so for me as the working mom, and I think this is, you know, a lot of our, you know, a lot of HR practitioners, um, are moms. Um, and I think for me, I had this intense, like guilt around if I'm not at work, I need to be 
at the at, in my home, right? right? I need to be picking up the load on the childcare and mm-hmm. and you know and all of the and spending time with my kids, right? Yeah, Who I yeah. adored and and missed all day. Um, but it, I shortly after the birth of my second child, mm-hmm. I realized I I wasn't doing anything for myself, and I started running because for me, I was like, okay, I can step out my front door. I can be gone for, you know, a minimum of time. And I felt like that was a really mm-hmm. like an okay investment yeah. um, me. And 20, um, five, 26 years later, um, I still run. I'm not a marathoner. I'm not there. You will never see me in a race, but it you is run for you. I run for me. Um, and, and over the years as, as you know, and we all go through different seasons, yes. by the way. So now we're empty nesters and I have much more time to focus on my self care. And, mm-hmm. but I do, I have a heart for, I have a heart for folks who are trying to do everything yeah. and have find some space where you can find, even if it's just one thing that feeds your soul um, and get to the point where your family says to you, this used to happen all the time. No joke. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mom, don't you need a run? And it was like, that was our like internal joke. I think you need to go for a run because you're kind of (laughs) grumpy. That's when I knew. That's when yeah. I knew. Okay, this works for me to, to yeah. manage my internal, you know, um, yeah. emotional landscape, which yes. is complicated. It, it definitely is because you go through a lot on the job yeah. and at home yeah. and externally with friends and family. There's just there's so many different factors, and if you're having a bad day, the first person people to pick it up is those little people. Totally. <laughs> totally. First people to pick it up. My, my yeah, I, get, I definitely have moments that I regret, like, you know, yeah. moments where I probably should have made better choices. But regret is one of those things that I don't think serves a really great purpose no. in our lives. And so for me, I, I look for ways of like, when I think about those moments of yeah. like, how do I either change it for myself in this moment? Exactly. Or, you know, how do I help someone else along the way? Who, yeah. You know, may may have the opportunity to do it a little differently. Yeah. You know, I think of it as lived experience right it's lived experience that's got me to who I am today and it's the experiences that trigger me that make me think okay how can I change my experience this experience that someone's gonna have with me going yeah. forward yeah, you know what right. I mean not yes. instead of dwelling on it I think um Bob Marley said it well um <laughs> when he called anger a wasted emotion like I yes. really think anger is a wasted mm-hmm. emotion right mm-hmm. it's, it doesn't mm-hmm. make any sense dwelling on th- those kind of things but think about how can you change that experience for the better the next time for yourself and the people I love that interacting mm-hmm. with you mm-hmm. yeah and that's how you redeem situations right yes. like there's a lot of redemption to be had by being able to do things differently exactly as you Exactly, exactly. Tell us, what are you reading, watching, listening to right now that you think our audience would appreciate? Well, I'm probably not going to say anything that anybody else probably wouldn't say these days. Um, <laughs> it's funny, but I was thinking about this question, honestly, because one, I'm a, a massive reader. And so uh-huh. I always have fiction books going because I think fiction books give us I think they give us like a completely different world to operate in and experience. Mm-hmm. 
different um, outcomes and and different you know profiles of people. And I I I should I should look up this quote, but there's a great quote about what the benefit of of fiction does for mm -hmm. us in terms of our creative thinking. Yeah. But beside that, um, I used to read. I I just laughed when I saw this question because I used to read all these books about you know. Um, change management and leadership yeah. and all of the, you know, um, culture and, you know, and not that those aren't great books, right. but the older that I, the more experience that I gain and the longer I do this, I realize that for me personally, and some, I don't know who said this. I don't know if it was Brene Brown said it, but soft skills are the hard skills. I think reading mm -hmm. about soft skills, reading yes. about um, relational issues and, and, and acquiring that, yeah. that information is the thing that's going to serve me the best in both my, both in my role here at Seek Out, mm -hmm. but also in, you know, my life and my external life. Yeah. Um, so I listen, I'm a, I'm a huge fan. Uh, I mentioned Dan Pink earlier. I think Dan Pink did a motivate, you know, he wrote a book called drive and now every book he writes is another wonderful, you know, dynamic around the human experience, Brene Brown, Adam oh, yeah. Grant, um, a, a new real favorite of mine is Susan David, um, who wrote emotional agility mm. and she's, um, I find her uh, incredibly insightful, um, just in a very tangible, how do you manage a, con a conflict, you know, a, a conversation that where you have a lot of conflict, and rather than figuring out the methodology to help deal with the conflict with the other person, she turns the lens internally and has mm -hmm. you look at yourself, um, so, which I think, you know, I think that's, at the end of the day, it's the only people we can control is our, are ourselves. ourselves and that knowing ourselves and being able to, I, I just saw something called, you know, doing about outer work and inner work and doing yeah. that inner work is so critical. And it's such an investment in yourself. Like mm -hmm. other people will benefit for it, but you will benefit the most. Yeah. Um, and then finally, I will say we just, and I'm, I'm bringing this up because we just had a good laugh about it in in an executive meeting we're having, um, Ted Lasso, uh, for the, for the, the practical application of so many things related to leadership and conflict. And most importantly, to the testimony that people can change. Yeah. And that's what we need to be focused on as leaders is the potential of change and, and, you know, um, success that comes from that change yeah I love it yeah thank you so much for sharing that that's amazing I gotta ask you the big question <laughs> what's the biggest misconception about HR that really bothers you that you want to set the record straight on right here right now <sighs> I have like, yeah, I have a couple. Um, yeah. I, I really I give do. you permission to jump on your soapbox. <laughs> okay. I think I think one of the first ones, and this is related to to Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Mm -hmm. I think that the that that the um that the conception, I I we, I mean, I started when I think HR was called personnel. So right. like I've been through the whole. I've been through the whole, you know, personnel, HR, yeah, evolution, know, the evolution. And, and it's been wonderful to see. Right. Mm -hmm. 
but we can't throw the baby out with the bathwater, as as they say. And so, you know, compliance, I think that people see that as the police that, you know, like HR police, and that really grinds my gears mm. because in some ways that compliance at the time when, when it was, a, you know, first like got adopted and was an important mm-hmm. thing to do was actually if we apply today's terms in reverse to it it's about creating psychological safety it's about yeah. creating a, an environment where everybody can feel comfortable and be to be seen themselves and so i i hate having it being i hate the reference to compliance because granted there are some things that are compliance related to you know labor yeah. industries and but i'm not talking about that i'm talking right. about the compliance that people just feel like they're going through the motions and that it's just a checkbox and yeah. And, you know, for me, you know, food, water, shelter, safety is number one. And so I'm going to do everything I can to get people to understand that's not compliance. That's part of being in community with people. And this is why we do this. And there's a benefit to it. The second thing would be HR is just there to protect the company. Um, I think that one is you know, I, I don't get, I don't hear that myself personally. I know it it is out there. It is out there. It is out there and it's a real thing. And I've definitely had employees say it to HR business partners or say it to a manager because they don't want to come to HR. And that makes me sad because that's not at all why that's not at all the truth. If, I mean, for me, I feel like we are, um, we are the glue that helps companies um, and, you know, companies. Yes, there's an element of, you know, there's, there's an element of, of we have to make sure that we're not doing harm to the company, to the business. Yeah. But beyond that, it's about how do we create harmonious relationships and how do we deal with problems and how do we equip people to deal with problems and how do we solve them and how do we coach and you know, mediate. And those are all wonderful things. Like, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. there are situations that require coaching. There are situations that require mediation, right? Just like in our personal lives. Yeah. Um, and so I see um, people, professionals, as folks who are intensely interested and focused yeah. on bringing, um, bringing people and teams and efforts together, because we have way more strength in our unity than we have in our disunity. So I think that's, I think that's probably one of the ones that, that, that is so hard because it's so binary, right? Like you're, you're, you're either for me or you're for, you're against me. Yeah. That's just not, it's, that's not even the equation. No, definitely not. I love that. Thank you for jumping on your soapbox for us today. We appreciate it. And no, I totally agree with yeah. all of those things. Like, I hate it when people call us the compliance police. Um, yeah. I hate it when people say that we're just about the business and we're not about the the employees because mm-hmm. nothing could be further from the truth. And, you know, there are so many of those misconceptions out there. And I just love to hear the perspective of other HR professionals. And no, number one, it's not in our heads. Um, we're not thinking these things in silos, but we all experiencing and hearing these things. And we all believe that they're misconceptions. And while there may be some measure of truth in terms of how some HR people deal with, with people in yes. the organization, yeah. 
because mis out of misconceptions comes a measure of truth, right? But at the same time, it's not every HR professional. And so, you know, don't paint us all with the same brush. So. Absolutely. I mean, it's like, it's just the, it's the whole, it's the whole, what's going on in our society today is you take one, you take one belief and then you just go looking for it to exactly. confirm it. Right. And yeah. so, you know, I think coming into every situation and, um, you know, believing the best in the situation. Yep. Um, and I think that's hard. I think I, we're living in a time where that there's a very short fuse and, and, and everybody is an expert. Yes. Um, I'm, I'm, I've, I'm certainly guilty of that, of other things, right? Like, you mm -hmm. know, and realizing, you know, a little humility goes a long way and yeah. it serves to really um, open up pathways to yeah. learn. Because at the end of the day, are we, you know, are we learning more or not? Because exactly. human experience, I, I said this to one of my, my kids the other day, like, I want to be learning still when I'm 95 years That's old. Right. That's right. Right. If I'm yeah. going to live that long, I need to be still learning. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. I agree with that. Lastly, Jennifer, what advice would you give to your younger self? If you could go back in time to talk to your younger HR self now entering the profession for the first time, what advice would you give to yourself? I, somebody asked this on LinkedIn the other day, and I actually answered it because I said, what would you, it was specifically, what would you give your younger yeah. self? And um, my first response was listen more than you talk. Listen more. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's... Um, incredibly important. Uh, and I think part of listening is about being curious. And so I think I would have told my younger self um, to be more curious, which would then lead to listening more by just by definition, right? Like, it's, you know, you have to ask curiosity is, is, is expressed in the form of a question, yeah. which then you, then you listen. Cause I think um, to kind of actually to even what we were just talking about is curiosity opens the conversation and allows you to learn um, something completely different than what yes. you went into the situation. Um, and, you know, it's funny, I, time in the, um, in the Peace Corps and living in a culture that's very different than your own, mm -hmm. um, I learned some really painful lessons about assumptions, assuming and, and not understanding why certain things were a certain way and just assuming I knew based on the facts and that was not, or what I thought I saw, right? Yeah. Not facts, but just my own interpretation. Yeah. And so that's been one of those things that just really try to remain curious mm -hmm. because it, it, it puts us all in a much better um, positional uh, uh, relationship with each other. Yeah, I love that. Thank yeah. you so much yeah. for sharing that. Be curious, keep mm -hmm. listening, listen first, listen more. Mm -hmm. I appreciate that. Thank you yeah. so much for sharing. With that being said, you have survived your time today, Sambu, Jennifer Armstrong, Owen. Thank you so much for being here and sharing your knowledge, your wisdom, your insights, and just sharing space with me mm -hmm. and our listeners today. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Well, thank you too, Julie, for creating this space and lifting up and shining a light, right? I think that we this this space needs the light. It needs the encouragement. It needs the, um, the, the, the channel to be able to, you know, recharge and help each other out and hear each other's experiences. Um, I was grateful to have a great mentor 
Um, I, I think that's another thing I would give people yes. um, advice. If I could I just agree. try back a second is find someone you can learn from that you, yeah. that you, that you respect and trust. And most importantly, as he reminded me before I took this role that remember to laugh, Jenny, you love yeah. to laugh and you know, having someone who knows you really well to mm-hmm. be able to speak truth into your life at a time when you need it. Yeah. Yes. So you, you share truth, um, on this platform and I appreciate that. I think that we need, we need more. So keep it up. I will do my best. Thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you for joining me for this episode of HR Sound Off. I hope that you found it useful. You can find this and all of the episodes of HR Sound Off on all major podcast platforms, Spotify, Apple, Amazon, you name it, we're there. Remember, HR Sound Off is created by HR professionals for HR professionals. If you would like to share your story, then reach out to us and let us know. Make sure to hit the notification bell and subscribe to HR Sound Off on YouTube as well as Podbean. And we'll see you again when we next sound off.